Well, hey guys, welcome back into the College Age Movement podcast. We are back in our Mark series. This is the sixth week we've been in this series, and we're just simply taking a walk through the Gospel of Mark and pulling out some different stories and how they're still relevant to us today. A couple weeks ago, we talked about the widow's might and some lessons that we could learn from a simple act of obedience. This this poor widow who was obedient with what she had. And, and the one lesson that I keep coming back to is just her desire to participate in worship. And this idea that we would always be people who take action in our faith, that we would have a participatory relationship with Jesus, that we'd have a participatory relationship with worship, that we wouldn't expect something to fall upon us, but we'd be people who step into worship and who step into obedience. And today, we're going to talk about a story that we don't really talk about other than around Easter, and that's the Last Supper. And there was this challenge within my spirit to like talk about this even though it wasn't the Easter season and and I I had this weird like desire to like walk around it to just say like hey I'm going to leave that for Easter but um I just felt like the Lord was like man this is such a good time to think and and ponder on and really chew on the idea of remembering what Jesus has done for us and and I think it was a challenge not just in the sense of like hey don't walk around it right now but don't walk around it ever because what it signifies is what Jesus did on the cross. And the story itself is just really, really interesting. And I think that we can look at it in two separate angles. And I think that you could talk about the Last Supper and and the significance of it and and, uh, all the things that it represents for for weeks on end. But what I want to do is I want to look at it in two ways. One, the the pre-Last Supper story, the idea of the setup of the story, and then what Jesus says during the Supper Itself. So we'll start Mark chapter 14, verses 12 through 15. It says, On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, Where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? So he sent two of his disciples, telling them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Say to the owner of the house he enters, The teacher asks, Where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. So the first point would be this. Jesus sent two. Jesus always had a habit of sending the the disciples together. And while this isn't a crux point of the Last Supper story, I think that it is an imp- it is important that we see intentionality in the disciples going together. All over scripture, we find Jesus sending the disciples in groups of two or more, and even after Jesus's ministry, we see Paul with Timothy, we see all of these different disciples going in pairs, going in groups to support one another. And currently, we live in a me versus everyone else type of world. Culture prides itself on individuality, but this is just another way that we are called to be counter-cultural. See, I think this is a really important thing, and Jesus understood this thousands of years ago, and something that we're still trying to learn today is that good work is made great when accomplished together. We can undeniably do things on our own. We have been uniquely gifted and we have been uniquely positioned, but what we can do on our own pales in comparison to what we can do in community. We preach community all the time around college age. Like That is what we talk about every single week. Family is a word that we use a ton, and I don't think that that will ever change. That is 
what this place is all about, what this ministry is all about. And we will always encourage coming together, gathering together, but we also want to be people who go together. So it's not just about gathering once a week and, and being family and being community, but it's this concept of being sent to the, together, of going together, that we'd be people who go two by two, just like we come two by two. So Jesus makes a unique ask to each one of us, but we share a collective goal. So find people who can help you, find people that you can help. And then as you both walk towards the calling that Jesus has placed on your life, you will make good things great. The second point is this, is that Jesus sets us up for success. One of the things that I have always found really interesting about this story is that Jesus already had everything put in place. The disciples just had to go put on the finishing touches. He says, like, go find this guy. He's got a jar of water. He'll take you to his master's house. And then you go and ask him, hey, where's the guest room? And he's going to take you upstairs. And there's going to be a room there. And it's going to be fully furnished. It's going to be ready to go. All you really have to do is set the table. And I think this displays a really simple truth. And that is that God is constantly asking us to just finish what he already started. So often we look at situations in our lives and we feel like we have to create something from scratch. But when we have that mentality, we often try to will things into being instead of trusting that Jesus has been putting in the work on our behalf. So so my prayer is that we would be people who recognize where Jesus is doing the work, where he's got everything ready for us, and all we have to do is just put the finishing touches on. And I think that these first two points lead to a really clear message, and that's that the greatest things that we will ever accomplish will be done in tandem. And sometimes that is with people, but it is always with Jesus. Sometimes we'll have one person with us on mission. Sometimes we'll have a group of people with us on mission. But what we have to understand is that for us to accomplish the greatest things that Jesus has set out in front of us, we will have him right in the middle of us. I think that the challenge for us is to always recognize where God is making that path. Because it can be so easy for us to just try to chop through the mess of life and make our own path. But I think where God sets out the simplest things is where we'll see the greatest accomplishments. That there's going to be so many times where we want we, we just assume that, that to get to the place that God wants us to be, it's complicated. It's going to be hard. And, and there are going to be times where it's like, man, yeah, I had to take a lot of turns. There was a winding path to get there. But sometimes it's just a simple path from point A to point B. We don't have to look at the path that's going to take us from point A to point B. L or whatever. So like we need to be people who just say, Hey, point A point to point B. And once we get to point B, we say, Jesus, show me point C. And then from there, show me the next one that we would be people who are always looking for the path that God is sending out to us. And I think at the end, it just comes down to whether or not we have faith that God is doing what he always promised to do. This same chapter, the next verse says the disciples left after he called them to go do this, went into the city and found things just as Jesus had told them, just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. They found it exactly as Jesus had promised. See, he's telling us things all the time through scripture, in our daily lives. And we have to ask ourselves, like, do I believe him? Do we believe that he is who he says he is, that he's doing the things that he said he, he, he would do? There's promise after promise after promise after call after call after call in scripture. And if we believe that God is who he said he is, then we will do the things that he's asked us to do. There's a song right now called Man of Your Word by Maverick City Music, and it's absolutely incredible. Um, 
And there's just a phrase that is spoken time and time again. It says, if you said it, we believe it. If you said it, we believe it. And I want that to be a simple truth about me. If he says it, if he says it, I believe it. I want that to be a, a truth about our community, that if he says something, that we would be people who wholeheartedly believe it. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So what we have to understand is this concept of Jesus working on our behalf, that he is doing 90% of the work, that he is setting us up for success. He has prepared things beforehand. We just have to ask ourselves, are we willing to walk in them? And I love that scripture says that everything is ready to go, and all they have to do is put on the finishing touches. It kind of reminds me of uh, a couple weeks ago, I went to a baseball game for my nephew, and it I could tell about 50 yards away that it was just an absolute atrocity, <laughs> that there was just, it's coach pitch, and part of me thought I was going to watch a baseball game, I was not watching a baseball game, that's not what you could call that, and it was just really interesting, there's like a coach for every player, like there's 17 coaches on each team, because they need extraordinary patience, and they're sitting there and they're just lobbing these super slow pitches, and the kids are just swing and miss, and swing and miss, and swing and miss, and then they hit it after like 15 tries, and the next kid comes up, and they do the same thing, and then if a kid can't get it after so many, they put a T out, and they put the ball right on there, and he, the kid will just smoke it out of the park, and uh, it was really, really frustrating to watch for competitive me standing on the sideline, but I kept watching the coaches, and I just saw how much patience that they had and it's because they were trying to teach very very specific things and as I watched them I kept thinking about just the way Jesus kind of throws us these softballs and just like these lobs and we miss and we miss and we miss and finally we hit it and everybody cheers and God cheers our coach cheers and he says hey like that's the thing I'm trying to teach you is to just do that one thing just do that one thing. And if it's super hard, and but we're, we keep trying and we're faithful in that, eventually there's just going to be a T set out. And he's like, hey, just take this one. Hit this one. And I think it's really important that we understand that Jesus has patience and he's just trying to set us up for success. I would encourage you to have a conversation with God today. Stop looking for the big grandiose things and start looking for where Jesus has already put things in place. Where's Where's the lob? Where's Jesus saying, hey, I just need you to have this one conversation. You don't need to change an entire group of people or entire city right now in this moment. I just need you to have this one conversation. That's not to say that God won't take the already prepared and turn it into something incredible, something absolutely majestic. I mean, this was just a Passover meal. And the disciples were just getting it ready, but it was the beginning of everything changing. So at dinner, Jesus just does two things. And one thing we won't spend much time talking about, but he predicts that someone at the table would betray him. That could be its own sermon on itself, but it's really interesting that the disciples' response is always like, oh, it's not me, is it? It's not me. It couldn't be me. And I think that it's just a really good representation of us believing that our brokenness isn't necessarily there. But even Judas, the one who does betray Jesus, it's not me, is it? It's not me, is it? And it was. But I think it's really interesting and, and such a, a perfectly simple thing to just see that Jesus will use people that are broken, that Jesus will use people who would even betray him, that Jesus would work things out for the good of humanity, that sometimes it won't work out for him, sometimes it won't work out for some, some people in the immediate vicinity, but it would work out for all people. And then he does this. He gives direction as to what the meal meant. 
Mark chapter 14, verses 22 through 26, talk about communion, this idea that we have held on in the church for thousands of years, this beautiful, beautiful representation of remembering what Jesus has done. And the verses say this, it says, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take this, this is my body. Then he took out a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said. Truly I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the, the Mount of Olives. And I don't know where your church experience is or what it was when you were growing up, but communion was something that I grew up with that I didn't fully grasp. It just felt like another thing that we did. And it can so easily become a part of our traditions that it starts to lose its meaning. And there are three things that I think that we can focus on this week as we think about communion. And the first one would be this, commemoration. We have to understand that the Last Supper meant something completely different to these Jewish men than it does to us today. They were commemorating what God did in Egypt with Moses. The Passover was a meal that signified deliverance from Egypt into the Promised Land. It was this amazing thing that they got to celebrate every single year. But for you and I, it is important for us to stop and thank God for what he has already done, what he has delivered us from. I think it's so important that we identify where God has delivered us from because it'll be foundational as we continue to walk with him today that we would look back on our path past and we would say, man, like, look at what God did there and, and God delivered me from that and God removed me from that and oh, God showed up there. Commemoration is so important because it is recognizing that God has already done something, that God has already done something. And commemoration is a huge part of just recognizing that God has died on the cross, that Jesus died on a cross for you and I so that we could have eternal life with him, that we would have so much remembrance of that commemoration that we would say, God, you have done something significant for all people, but that we would also look at the individual ways that he has shown up in our lives already. The second thing that we can do while we take communion is celebrate. Even though the disciples didn't fully understand the dual meaning of this meal at the present time, Jesus was celebrating freedom for his friends. He was celebrating freedom for all people, and that was worth celebrating. One of the things that blows me away is that Jesus gives thanks during this meal, and he was under the full understanding that he was about to die, but he was thankful. He was so thankful about what God was about to do through him. And what a challenge, what a call to be thankful to God in all circumstances. There was a move of God that was happening in the midst of them. During this evening meal, even if they didn't realize it at the time, God was doing something significant. For us, would we be aware of the fact that we need to celebrate because God is doing something right now? He is moving we would be people who, who say, I might not even be able to see it. I might not even be say how God is moving, but I believe that he is constantly moving in my life, in the lives of the people around me. So we commemorate, remembering what God has already done. We celebrate because God is currently doing something right now. He is doing something significant. And then the third thing is that we would have anticipation. You see, everything was about to change. There was hope on the horizon. Jesus knew what was go what that was going to look like. The disciples didn't really know exactly what it was going to look like, but either way they knew that change was coming and that gets they get hit in the face with the fact that Jesus is crucified, but then 3 days later he raises from the grave and 
they they have this significant moment with Jesus and he sends them with the great commission and there's all these things like there's just anticipation about what was about to happen so when we take time to remember that Jesus has already done we have holy expe- holy expectation about the fact that he is still going to do something he isn't done yet He's not done in me. He's not done in you. He's not done in our world, our broken, fractured world right now. He's not done. He's moving and he's doing things right now and he's going to do things in the future and that we would be people who would say, no, I believe that he's going to do things in the the near future, in in the far future because he did things in the near past, in the far past, and he's doing things right now that my God is a God who is continually working. In Hebrews, it says that we serve a God that is the same yesterday, today, and forever and would we be people who as we take communion but not just in the physical sense of like hey we sit down with bread and juice but we would be people who say hey every single day i'm going to take stock of what god has already done what he's currently doing and what i believe he's going to do in the future it would change everything hey Thank you so much for tuning back in to the College Age Movement Podcast. If you are in Billings, we always want to extend an invite. We meet Tuesday nights at 7 o'clock here at Faith Chapel. We have some fun stuff coming up here in the summer, so please stay tuned to all of our social media. You can find us at College Age MVMT on Instagram and Facebook. Hey, we love you guys. We hope that you got something out of this, and we'll talk to you really soon.